Houstonians love burgers. But are there alternatives that won't make us miss the beef? Today, I'm talking with David Leftwich, editor of Eater Houston, and Chester Chambers, the co-owner and cooking mojo behind Bloom Foods, one of the most interesting food trucks in the city. It's Thursday, January 27th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. David, Chester, thanks for being here. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Hi, everyone. So, David, why on earth would I ever eat a veggie burger? Because they're good. At least some of them are. Not every veggie burger is uh, is, is good, but neither is, neither is every meat patty uh, necessarily good either. But, you know, I eat both. Uh, actually, when I moved to Texas, uh, back to Texas 19 years ago, I was a vegetarian. And I've eaten plenty of uh, veggie burgers over the years. And the good thing is they've gotten better. Yeah, I believe we get a great depth of flavor in our burgers. And that's why people like them. And that's why people come back for them. You know, meat burgers give you give you what we call the itis. You know, it, it makes you sleepy. It makes you tired. It <laughs> loads you with tryptophan or whatever kind of mechanism it takes to to slow you down. And, uh, you know, some days on a Sunday afternoon, maybe you want that. But some days you really don't. You you can't afford it or you realize what it's doing to you and uh, you you want something different. So it's not just a fake meat burger. Right. I mean, there's these things like Beyond Burger and the Impossible Burger. You know, they're kind of backed by tech money. They're a much more processed product than, say, what Bloom Foods is doing. And they're okay. Uh, I mean, I've tried both. They're very ubiquitous. You see them in every HEB, every Whole Foods. I think they're meant to be a transition for people who may not be as, who are trying to transition or trying to incorporate more plant-based foods into their Diet, but they're, you know, they're not the most flavorful or exciting thing. And I think that that's why if you go to restaurants or, or different places that are making their own, they're much more interesting. And, and they're plant-based, not plant-based trying to be meat-based. But I, mean, I really like what Chester and them are doing because they really are leaning into the fact that they're using vegetables. They're actually, the plant is the star. <laughs> yeah. So Chester, could you describe a meatless sandwich that wouldn't make a Houstonian sad? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We have our deluxe burger that we've kind of been altering a little bit, and I'm really, really excited for the next iteration of it. We are using a black bean seasoned with some fenugreek, fennel, mustard, cumin, a ton of seeds toasted to get those aromatics out for the base of our burger. We're actually working with a company in Austin to bring in some smoked tempeh to give a natural smoky flavor to our burger so we don't have to rely on something like a like a liquid smoke product or something like that. And the really, really exciting thing about the tempeh is that it's not soy based. They use like a a black eyed pea varietal that's an ancient um, legume. So people that are scared of soy, even though you don't necessarily need to be scared of soy, don't have to worry about that with this product. We get a smoky flavor in there. Um, And then we add some local mushrooms for consistency and texture. And the really, really exciting thing about it is it's actually a smash burger. It's not a uh, a, a larger patty, you know, because the smash burger has always been popular and is gaining popularity um, in Houston right now just because of the caramelization and the malleard reaction that you get from a higher surface area on your burger. And we're able to play around with that in a plant-based version that people just really aren't doing right now. Oh, this sounds great. So... 
you're referring to a Maillard reaction. Can I, I just saw something in your biography that fascinates me. What was your undergraduate degree? Uh, I studied chemical engineering at MIT. How on earth did you end up as a cook? What do you, what happened here? <laughs> um, I mean, we, we do chemistry every day when we cook, you know, so it was, it was a pretty natural transition. Uh-huh. Learning about plant-based food and being in sort of a sedentary role and kind of understanding that if I'm going to go plant-based, then I need to kind of go all the way. I guess that's just kind of the kind of person that I am. So when I started to cook that way and uh, understand that what I was doing was unique and it was something that I wanted to share with other people, then I decided to just go for it. You know, I really don't feel like I'm missing not doing chemical engineering because we do it a lot in terms of implementing process and making sure things are consistent and stuff always tastes good. But uh-huh. this was not in my curriculum at all. <laughs> <laughs> so did you move to Houston to be a chemical engineer? Basically, basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then was there some sort of road to Damascus moment when you suddenly realized plant-based is for me? What happened here? Yeah. Um, I, I love studying. I love just reading. So I started reading basically the biggest book I could find about plant-based food. It was called Healing with Whole Foods. And uh, it taught me so much about not just plant-based, but but especially whole foods. Because uh, when people use the term plant-based, I kind of take it to mean whole food plant-based, meaning uh, a refined soy product isn't necessarily plant-based to me. Um but I learned about it. I learned. I deep dove, deep dove. So diet Dr. Pepper. Right. <laughs> just because it's vegan. It doesn't qualify as plant-based. Right. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> I am used to vegan restaurants being sort of hippy-dippy places. This is a completely different approach that you're taking. You're engineering it. But you're also doing this with local farmers. It's not a big industrial process. We were we were very hippy dippy when we started out in 2019. <laughs> yeah. We really were. You know, I would uh uh-huh. I didn't want to compromise at all on providing a completely whole food plant-based experience. And uh at some point you kind of have to meet people where they are. So for example, what? What were you cooking and what did people want? Um our burgers were very clean. We would only use bread that was completely made of whole grains. Um the burger patties really haven't changed that much, but I would make sure that our toppings were completely from the local farmers. So we were doing like micro sorrel on our burgers with whatever local tomatoes we could find, which sometimes would um, only be heirloom varieties, different colors. And my uh, very first burger had a roasted beet sauce on it instead of a ketchup. And we threw some Carolina Reaper peppers in there from Laughing Frog. It had a ton of depth of flavor, but it was a matter of getting somebody to read the menu and buy it versus taste it. Cause they're like, <laughs> what is this thing that he's making? Beet you know? sauce. Yeah. Am I going to do beet sauce? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we, yeah. So uh, yeah. now we kind of try to push them towards our more whole food plant-based options. So like people really, really love our, our fried oyster mushroom. Um, the most popular one so far has been our chili garlic oyster mushroom burger. And then we do it in a taco as well. We really push the limit on how clean we can make it in terms of using spelt flour and spelt bread and grapeseed oil and getting the mushrooms locally, you know, so we're getting it down the street. It doesn't have a lot of shelf life or anything. Um, But still, we want to push people towards our burger patties because they're just, they're not fried. They're a little cleaner. Yeah. So when you say you're meeting people where they are, you guys are like operating the truck usually like 
most nights of the week at a bar, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So this is kind of bar food. It's, I mean, it's sometimes at the farmer's markets, but. Right, right. Yeah. David, you can maybe help me think about some of this. I am so interested in how veganism and plant-based eating is changing in the United States. And like, I used to think of it as the whitest thing on earth. And Chester, you're clearly not white. <laughs> you're African-American. Right. Well, yeah. it's interesting because, I mean, you know, when I was, I was more vegetarian than vegan, but some of my first encounters with vegetarian and veganism was, um, I was living in Washington, D.C., and a lot of the vegan and vegetarian restaurants were African-American run. It's, there's actually a pretty long tradition of oh. vegan and vegetarian food within the African-American community. And of course, then a lot of the, and, and also other, you know, cuisines that are very vegetarian focused or very, very vegetable forward, especially in Houston, where we have so many international cuisines and so many of those different cuisines have strong vegetarian options, vegan options, plant, plant-based plant options. Yeah. And Chester, it sounds like you're very open to all sorts of cultural influences. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. that's that's the first place that you go, like David said, to find good vegetarian, vegan food. I didn't really start eating Indian food until I started exploring vegetarianism. And I said, these flavors are amazing. And yeah. it's relatively simple What's what's going into it. You know, you can make a doll that's full of flavor with four to five ingredients. And once you start to understand that I just want to let this food speak for itself versus trying to mask it or do something else to it, you just learn to listen to that food and, and let it do what it wants to do, you know, and it's going to taste delicious and it's going to feel great. And uh, for me, Urban Harvest was so key in that. Urban Harvest, the the farming and gardening group. That's right. That's right. How so? When I went to that farmer's market and uh, would buy produce that looked different than the produce that I was buying in the stores, I know a lot of people can get turned off from that because they are used to a certain thing. And if something doesn't look right, it's kind of like the Imperfect Foods company, right? That The food is just as good, if not better, even though it looks different. So the bug holes didn't scare you away? <laughs> they really didn't. They yeah. really didn't, you know? And you, uh, yeah. the farmers let you taste the food and they'll tell you, hey, this is how I prepare it. They always prepare it very simply. So you take it home. They harvest it on Friday. You take it home Saturday. You cook it Saturday or Sunday and you do it simply and it, it tastes delicious, you know? And it just makes you wonder, what else can I do? What else can I try? If I go back next week and there's something I've never seen before, let's, let's try it out. All right, y'all, let's close by offering Houstonians something that will make them happy about eating meatless. David, what do you recommend? What's your favorite plant-forward dish in Houston right now? One of my favorite vegetarian dishes that I had last year, and it's uh, very simple. It's at Herbe, which is uh, Hugo Ortega's new street food restaurant over there in Uptown Park. And he, it's really simple. It's a sweet potato taco and it's just, you know, beautifully roasted sweet potatoes. There's a little bit of cheese uh, in there and then just topped with some salsa matcha, which is a kind of chili flake sauce you might get at a, at a, a Chinese restaurant. But it's, you know, it's got chilies and dried fruits and dried seeds in it and kind of an chili oil and just sprinkle on that. And of course, you know, I, I, I will say I really enjoy everything that, you know, when I go to Urban Harvest, I often get something from Bloom Foods and I either their frozen burgers to bring home or, you know, one of their prepared dishes right there. And 
you know, whether it's their burger, they do these kind of breakfast sandwiches with a plant-based sausage and on a biscuit and stuff that's really good. Oh, a sausage biscuit I could feel good about. Yeah. All right, Chester, what about you? What would you recommend? I was going to bring up our biscuits too. I love the sausage yeah. biscuit, but right now we're doing a collaborative biscuit on our egg and cheese. So it's an egg and cheese biscuit. We're getting the egg patty from another local vegan company um, called Somos Semillas. Their stuff is really, really clean. It's really good. You can find them in uh, similar spots that you can find us, like Henderson and Kane, um, just other pop-ups around town. And their egg product is the the cleanest thing that I've been able to find. It's made from mung beans, um, but it tastes wow. and looks just like an egg patty, and it just tastes really, really good. Oh, this sounds great. All right. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. We'll have a link to Bloom Foods' website and also to David Leftwich's story about Bloom Foods in our show notes. Next up, we've got a little bit of Houston news. I am here with producer Farrell Gibbs. Farrell, what is going on in Houston today? Well, this is on the heels of the Monday episode we ran this week on CityCast Houston about potholes. Potholes. Yeah, it it looks like there was a pothole in Acres Homes that somehow escaped 311's attention, which was a rather dramatic oversight seeing as this pothole was 16 feet across and 8 to 10 feet deep. Whoa. Does that even count as a pothole? You could lose a whole car in that. Well, that's the way one resident played it up to get some help. And yes, you're right. It started as a pothole, but it became a sinkhole. And author Carr, who was interviewed, he lives in Acres Homes. He called it a hole to hell. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty funny, but it's been growing for a while now. And the 311 that I referenced a minute ago, they were contacted by KHOU, who was on the scene. So 311, that's the city service where people report things, right? Right, which I learned about actually on Monday as well. But there had been barriers set up around this to protect it from cars and pedestrians and all of that had fallen in the hole. So it was just growing and growing. Oh, man. But this is the way Mr. Carr got everybody's attention. He made a Facebook post and tagged as many local leaders as he could and said this quote, a winged beast came up and flew out of the hole just a second ago and grabbed an entire family in a 2019 Chevy Tahoe. <laughs> and that got everybody's attention and it brought KHOU out. And so apparently now the people that we talked to on Monday, they're, they're all on the case. If it's a sinkhole and the land is just sinking, I mean, that could happen anywhere in Houston, right? Maybe it wouldn't just be left to grow. Right. You know? I'm still digesting what we learned on Monday. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And you got to watch out for those winged beasts. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow, we are going to be debating the merits of Texas incumbent Whataburger and California challenger in and out. If you have strong opinions, you will not want to miss that. See you then. Okay, ba-ba-ba-ba. I have two sets of squigglies in the right range.